The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. He's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's sitting. There's thousands of people around listening to him. And he tells him, You, you are the light of the world. He goes on to say, A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. When I was in college and I would be driving back uh, to Phoenix, Arizona, you just drive through hours and hours of desert. And nearly an hour before you get to the city, you could see a glow. Before you could see any buildings, before you could see anything, you could just see this glow of the lights of the city. That's how Jesus is telling us where to shine. Just like you can't hide that city. You can't hide that city. Our light is supposed to shine. He goes on to say, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. You don't light a candle, then put it under a bucket. No, you hold it up high so it can give light to everybody that is in the room. And it gives us light unto all that are in the house. Just like you can't hide that city. Just like you wouldn't hide that candle. Jesus is saying, that's how we are to shine as lights. Verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and get this. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray. Then we're going to preach the message simply entitled, Let Your Light Shine. Father, we thank you so much. For the light, we thank you so much for saving us, Lord. We thank you so much for giving us a mission to let our light shine here on earth. And Father, I pray that as today is serve day, as we go out into our community tonight, that we would let our light shine and that you would receive honor and glory as a result. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, for our text this morning, we find ourselves in the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount is a very popular passage. Uh, Also, sometimes it's a very misunderstood passage as well. Uh, Many people have rightly called the Sermon on the Mount kind of a snapshot or a summary of what we see later written in the epistles. And that's because you'll notice that as Jesus begins to preach the Sermon on the Mount, he starts with the inward man and what God does for us before he talks about how we're supposed to live that out in our lives and before we're going to go and act. How does what God does in us change our outward behavior? And he starts on the inward man, which is definitely a pattern that you see uh, throughout the epistles. In the Beatitudes, in the first few verses of Matthew chapter number 5, you'll see the phrase, they shall be, several times. It says, they shall be comforted. They shall inherit the earth. They shall be filled with righteousness. They shall obtain mercy. They shall see God, etc., etc. You're going to notice that all these are in what's called the passive voice, indicating that this is not something the disciples can achieve on their own. The person seeing God, the person being filled with righteousness, that's not something that they do on their own. It's in the passive voice. It's something that is done for them. The verb here is a divine passive that describes an act of God on our behalf. Now, this is crucial to understanding the theology of the Sermon on the Mount, because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus requires some pretty heavy things. You could say he really lays down the law. He says, unless you keep the least of the commandments, you can't see God. You can't be uh, in relationship with God. The least of the commandments, that means the most seemingly unimportant, the most seemingly minuscule, the one that we're likely to look past. Jesus says, if you don't keep even that one, you can't get into the kingdom. He goes on to say, if your righteousness doesn't pass up or surpass the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, in hindsight, we look at them as being self-righteous hypocrites. But the truth is, in their day, they were the religious leaders. They were the people that looked up to. They were the people that seemed to have it all together. And he's telling these people, these, a lot of them outcasts of society, he's saying, if your righteousness doesn't surpass theirs, you can't enter the kingdom. He then really lays it down when he says, if you're not perfect like God, you can't enter the kingdom. And so the point is, we can't do this. 
We can't receive this righteousness. We can't be perfect. We can't be holy. So what God demands in the Sermon on the Mount, we see, is actually a gift that he gives us. Such demands can be twisted into a false theology of righteousness, which is achieved by works. But what we see is that what Jesus demands, he actually gives us. Aren't you thankful this morning that God judges us based on the righteousness of Jesus and not based on our own sin? If that were the case, if that weren't the case, there wouldn't be one of us who could, who could do that. Perfect like God? Nobody could make that claim. And yet God gives us that righteousness. God gives us that perfection in the Sermon on the Mount. And it's from that righteousness that God gives us that our good works flow out of. And that's definitely the case in our text this morning where Jesus tells us we are light. The very first thing he says in verse 14, ye are the light of the world. You are. He's telling us this is who you are now. Now, by implication of calling Christians the light of the world, Jesus is saying the world is dark. I don't think you have to watch the news very long or really pay much attention at all to realize we live in some pretty crazy times. It seems like society is getting worse and worse and farther and farther and farther away from God. You don't have to really convince somebody that we live in scary, crazy times. But I want you to consider for a moment those people who are sitting listening to Jesus. Consider for a moment the society they lived in. They were in bondage by a foreign country who stood for everything that was against what they believed in. They were in bondage by the religious leaders. They kept them under the thumb through manipulation and, you know, guilt. And they were in bondage by this country, bondage by the religious leaders. They were once the power of the world. Now they're the world's outcasts. And nobody really wants anything to do with them. I know America seems like it's in sad shape, but if you compare America to Rome, it kind of makes America look like Mayberry. Rome was pagan. And no doubt they would have been shielded from some of that in Jerusalem, but the, the flag that waved over their buildings was a flag that stood for everything that was against what they believed in. And Jesus looks at these people who have no political clout. He looks at these people who have no connections, are kind of in the armpit of society, and says, you are the light of the world. Now, if I was in that group, I'd be thinking, uh, Jesus, <laughs> maybe if I lived in Rome, I could make a difference. Maybe if I had some connections, I could make a difference. But no, 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 Jesus, he cuts right through that. He says, you are the light of the world. And just like today, we find ourselves in a dark society that calls evil good and good evil. Jesus, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us, you are the light of the world. You are the light that is to shine in the darkness. Now, sometimes it's easy to read passages like this and think, okay, Pastor Nick, I get it. Christianity at large is the light. Our church is supposed to be a light in our community. I understand that. I'm okay with my church being the light. In fact, I want my church to be the light, but me be the light, man, that's a little bit uncomfortable. But Jesus, he cuts straight through all that. He says, ye, you are the light of the world. Every individual who is in Christ is light. Why? Because Christ is in us. He says, ye are the light of the world. Every individual who is truly in Christ is light. Why? Because Christ is in us, which leads us to our first thought this morning, the source of light. The source of light. And the source of light is Jesus. Jesus is the source of our light. We are light because Christ is in us. Uh, John eight twelve says, Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Now get this, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life because we follow Jesus. We are his disciples. We have accepted him and he is in us. We now have the light of life living inside of us. The moment we got saved, we received the light of life. 
The ministry of the Messiah was to be light. As you study the Old Testament, you'll see time and time again where he's prophesied to be light. The ministry of the Messiah was to be light. When Christ took up residence in our heart, we became extensions of his light-shining ministry. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, often we quote those verses at Christmas, talking about his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, talking about the coming Messiah. If you go a few verses back in Isaiah 9-2, the Bible says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Isaiah says again in Isaiah 42, Thus saith God, thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spreadeth forth the earth, He that cometh out of it. Now get this picture, he's describing God. He's describing what the Messiah is going to be like. He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth bread unto the people upon it and to the spirit of them that walk therein, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness. Aren't you thankful God gave us his righteousness? I will hold thy hand and will keep thee. Aren't you thankful Christ keeps us eternally secure? Now get this, and give to thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles to open the blind eyes and to bring the prisoners from prison and them that sit in the darkness out of the prison house the ministry of the Messiah, the ministry of Jesus was to shine light, to shine light in the darkness. And because he is in us, he is our light. Everything Jesus did was to shine light. When he performed miracles, he was shining light. When Jesus met physical needs, he was shining light. When Jesus said, the only way you can have a relationship with God is through me, he was shining light. When he prayed, when he sacrificed, when he gave life, every good work that Jesus did was shining light in darkness. You see, the disciple is not the ultimate author of his good works. If the disciple were, he could justly receive praise. However, Jesus taught that only the Father in heaven is to be praised for a disciple's good works. For God is the true source of such works. This can't be overlooked. The righteousness that God demands, he gives us. He is the source of our light, and he wants us to shine. When Sarah and I first saw our home, man, we were pumped. We were excited. We thought, man, this is a beautiful home. But you know what we didn't say? That must have been an awesome hammer. (laughs) That was such a cool saw. No, you say, man, what a cool architect. What a good construction crew that built this thing. Nobody looks at a house and says, what an awesome power tool. And just like that, we are the tools that God wants to use to shine light. It's not about us. It's about him. Just like the tool isn't the one that creates a house, we aren't the ones that get credit for our good works. God is the author. We are just his tool. Because we are a people who have received great grace, we should be a people who give great grace. Christ is the light and is in us, and because he is in us, we are now light. There's no way around it. There's no way to say, ah, I don't really feel like being light today. Because Christ is in us, we are light. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, Martin Lloyd-Jones said, Jones, I cannot say that. His nature enters into us so that we become, in a sense, what he himself is. He is light, and he is in us, so we are light. Ephesians 5, 8 says, For we were sometimes in darkness, but now ye are the light of the world. Walk as children of light. We see in Ephesians as well as in our text that because the light of Jesus is inside of us, we are the light, and our lives are to constantly be shining. Look at our text in Matthew 5. It says, Ye are the light of the world. So we know as individual Christians, we are the light because Jesus is in us. But he goes on. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Verse 14. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We saw that we are the light of the world and that source of that light is Jesus. But because he is in us, we are to shine which leads us to our next thought this morning, the purpose of light. Shine. 
light shines. I know, it's really profound, right? That's like life-changing. But that's what we're to do. That's our purpose for existing. The purpose of light is to shine. A disciple can no more conceal the righteousness of God or the gospel message in his life than a glowing city could douse its light in the night. Shining should be a natural reflex for us as Christians. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're walking in Christ, when we're abiding with him, we're naturally just going to shine. There's no way around it. We're going to be doing good works. We're going to be zealous for good works. We're going to love and we're going to forgive. Why? Because we are walking with Christ and we are light. And we will shine. Martin Lloyd-Jones also said, all Christians in every age should see clearly that we are what he has made us in order that we might become something. So Christ has made us light. And because he has made us light, we should become something. We should shine. He says, this is a great argument which you find running throughout scriptures. It is seen perfectly in the statement of the Apostle Peter, ye are a chosen generation, you are a royal priesthood, you are a peculiar nation, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has changed us. He has made us new on the inside, and because of that, it's going to change the way we live on the outside. He is light in us, and because he is light, we are to shine. Christ has changed us for a purpose. He has given us light of life, and we are to shine. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. Ephesians 2, 10, For ye are his workmanship. Get that. We are God's project. He is working on us. If that doesn't excite us, I don't know what does. When I consider that, I'm like, the God of the universe is working on me. He's interested in me. I am his workmanship. That ought to floor us. That ought to excite us. We should just be so overwhelmed with that. Now get this. He says we are created in Christ Jesus, what? Unto good works. He created us so that we could shine. He's working on us so that we can shine in our communities. We can shine in our neighborhoods. He's working on us so we can shine. God hath before ordained them that we should walk in them. Galatians 5.13, for brethren, we have not been called unto liberty. We have been called unto liberty. Only don't use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Paul said, you've been given this awesome liberty. You've been saved. God has changed you. Don't use it so you can keep sitting. That's not the point. The point is so that you can serve. God has given us freedom. God has given us liberty. Why? So that we could love and so that we can serve and so that we could pour out our lives for other people so that we can shine. So we might be asking, what does light actually do? Where to be light, where to shine? What what does that look like? Well, two things I want to look at this morning. First of all, we see light exposes darkness. Light exposes darkness. Now you may be thinking, does this mean we have to go pick it? (laughs) Does this mean I have to get a bumper sticker that says, in case of rapture, this car will be unmanned? Or a bumper sticker that says, bay ain't bay, if bay don't pray. What what does exposing darkness mean? Does it mean we need to wear corny t-shirts that say, instead of Abercrombie and fish, a breadcrumb and fish? No. (laughs) Does it mean we need to wear a shirt that says, armed and ready, instead of arm hammer? No. I like this one. Catch up with Jesus. I like the bottom. It says, blessed from my head to my toes. These are great. I think this one's breaking the copyright infringement. God wants you to be saved. This one's great for Fresno. Want to talk about Jesus? Let us pray. Is this what it means to expose darkness? No. Now, if you wear a t-shirt like that and it starts a conversation, you can lead someone to Jesus. That's awesome. I'm making fun of these, but secretly, I want them all. (laughs) 
What does it mean to expose darkness? You have to remember that we are, by our very nature, because Christ is now in us, we are saved, God has given us new nature, we are at our very nature light, because Christ is in us. That means at our very core, our very nature is so different that the world takes notice just by watching us. Just by being in contact with us, they're going to notice there's something different about that person. He doesn't get frustrated when other people get frustrated. He's got a lot going on in his life, but he has peace. He loves people who are unlovable. What's different about this person? Our lives should be marked with good works, with true agape love. Our lives should be marked with the fruit of the Spirit. Our lives should be so different and so counterintuitive that the world just kind of has to scratch their head. Last year, at the end of last year, I read a story about a pastor whose pregnant wife was sexually assaulted and murdered while he was at the gym one morning. You may have heard about the story. I think it was last November. He said in a statement to the press following the incident, though everything inside me wants to hate, be angry, and slip into despair, I choose the route of forgiveness, grace, and hope. Davy Blackburn said in the statement, if there is one thing I've learned from Amanda, his wife, in the 10 years we were together, it's this. Choosing to let my emotions drive my decisions is a recipe for hopeless and a fruitful, and a fruitless life. Today I'm deciding to love, not hate. I read that story. His wife was pregnant. They had a toddler at home. Really similar to my situation. I thought, what would I have done? I can't imagine the grief that this man is going through yet because Christ is in him and he is light. He's loving and he's forgiving the people who committed the most heinous crime against him and his family. And yet what's his response? To love and to forgive. To let his light shine. That's what it means to expose darkness. That's what it means to let our light shine. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you for a reason of the hope which is within you. Often we'll quote that verse and we say, We always need to be ready, and that's true, we do. But sometimes I think we miss what this verse implies. It implies somebody's asking you why you have hope. It implies people know you're different and they want to know why. When was the last time somebody asked any of us, man, why do you have hope? America's falling apart, and yet you have hope. You, you, you lost your job, but you have hope. You just found out you have cancer, but you, you still have hope. What's different? What is this hope within you? That's what it means to shine light and expose darkness. When people see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, they notice. When people see... Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. It makes them scratch their head. Because it's light exposing darkness and shining in the darkness. Also, it means being a part of actively sharing the gospel with people. Telling people, you need, you need Jesus. You're, you're lost and you're in your sin. You need Jesus. But light not only exposes darkness, it also provides the only way out of darkness. See, sometimes we fall short at just exposing the darkness, but true light, the light that Jesus has, the light that is now in us, provides a way out of darkness. And this is where every Christian should be jumping to the task. You see, the problem with man, it's not politics, it's not this issue, it's not that issue. The problem with man is a fallen, sinful nature. At its very core, you boil all these issues down. It's mankind has a sinful nature. Mankind has tried knowledge, we've tried education, we tried political reform. Society has tried it all, and nothing really fixes the problem. In fact, it, it seems society is actually getting worse. 
Often we're tempted to ask if there's any hope, but the resounding answer is yes. There is abundant hope. There is everlasting hope. And the phrase, you must be born again. That is the hope for people who are in darkness. What man needs more, now hear me out when I say this, what man needs more is not more light. He needs a nature that will love light and hate darkness, the exact opposite of his loving the darkness and hating the light. But it's not just enough to tell him that. It's not just enough to point out the problem. You have to point out the problem. You have to expose darkness. I was in college, and I was witnessing to a lady one time, and I was sharing some verses, and she started quoting them back to me. And I found out she had been a nun for 25 years. And she was convinced, because she had been a nun for 25 years, she was good enough to get to heaven. There's a point where you have to expose darkness. The Bible says that it's not by our works that we can get into heaven. It's by Jesus. You have to expose darkness. There's a place for that, but that is not all that is needed. If all we do is expose darkness and tell people you're lost, we're leaving them with no hope. We're burying them even more in their hopelessness. But the Christian is here to tell people that there is a way to God, that there is hope, that there is a solution, and it's very simple. It's to know a person called Jesus. He is the Son of God, and he came from heaven to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to illumine the darkness, to expose the cause of darkness, and to make a new and living way out of all of it back to God in heaven. He didn't only bear the, the guilt of our terrible sinfulness that, was, that involved us in so much trouble. He offers us a new life and a new nature. He doesn't merely give us new teaching or a new understanding of the problem. He doesn't merely procure pardon for our past sins. He, doesn't, he, he, doesn't, he makes us new men with new desires, new aspirations, a new outlook, and a new orientation. But above all, he gives, us, he gives us new life that loves light. Christ gives us a new nature that loves the light. And what mankind needs, what people in darkness needs, is a love for that light, a nature that loves light, a nature that is made new by Jesus Christ. Society is engrossed in darkness, and they'll never find the true light if we don't shine. Christ wants us to shine. Light exposes darkness, but it also provides the way out of darkness. And we must be so careful that in our attempt to be light, we don't just expose darkness. Imagine we turn off all the lights in here. It would be pitch black. And I was to walk around yelling, it's dark, it's dark, it's dark. She would say, yeah, duh. (laughs) Let's turn on some light. As Christians, in our attempts to be light, when we shine, we have to be careful that we don't just expose darkness. We need to expose the darkness. That's part of it. But we also need to provide a way out of darkness and point people back to Jesus. When we as Christians are not shining, we are not living the way that God created us to. God created us to shine. He is in us, and he shines. When we don't shine, we're living contrary to our nature. The way we live lays the foundation for the message we preach. That's why it's so important to let our light shine. That's why it's so important that we shine everywhere we go. Why? So that Christ and his message can be made known. Now, the last part of our text, Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and get this, glorify your Father which is in heaven. The purpose of letting light shine is not so that we can receive the glory. It's not about us. It's not about so people can pat, you know, pat your neck on the head, oh, you're such a good Christian. No. It's about God getting glory, which leads us to our last thought this morning, the result of light glory, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Glorify your Father. The whole point of this is to point back to God so that he can get glory, so that they can glorify God. 
Over the remainder of today and tomorrow, groups are going to be going out and serving the city of Fresno. It's our serve day. We're taking our entire evening service to go out and serve. When people see us filled with the Spirit, people serving people who are forgotten, serving the outcasts in society, serving people who people don't want to serve, when they see us doing that all with the fruit of the Spirit, with a glad and cheerful heart, ready to do it, they're gonna, that brings God glory. Because they're seeing our good works, and God gets glory. When we share the gospel with someone and they accept Jesus as their Savior, that brings God glory. First Peter 2.12 says, Having your conversation, honest conversations, your lifestyle, the way you live, having your lifestyle honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they see, which they behold, glorify God. Peter's saying your life should be so shining. You should shine so much light that even when people want to speak evil against you, they can't help but look at what you do and glorify God. The purpose of this is to bring God glory. John 15, 8. Herein is my Father glorified. What? That ye bear much fruit. There's lots of kinds of fruit throughout the New Testament. There's the fruit of the Spirit. There's the fruit of seeing people saved. There's lots and lots of kinds of fruit. And when we shine, when we bear that fruit, God gets glory. Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. What's this grace do? It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. It teaches us to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Grace of God teaches us to look for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, get this, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a people zealous of good works. When the grace of God is doing a work in our lives, we're going to shine. We're going to be excited to do good works. We're going to be zealous. We're going to be energetic. It's what we're going to love to do. Why? Because it brings God glory. Opportunities like serve day shouldn't be a drudgery. They should be a delight. Because we are doing what God has saved us to do, point people back to him and bring him glory. When we simply let the light of Jesus shine in our lives, even those who are hostile to Christ might come to know him and glorify God. Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by your love. There's somebody in your life and you want them to know your faith is real. Shine! Show them the love of Jesus. Show them the compassion of Jesus. Show them the fruits of the Spirit. Shine. And then they'll see your faith is real. All this is about God getting glory. And when the glory of God becomes a driving force in our lives, when we want to live for nothing more than to bring God glory, we'll become zealous of good works. We'll be excited to serve. It'll be exciting. It'll be great. We'll be zealous. We'll be energetic. It won't be like, oh, I gotta go do serve day. We'll be excited. We can't wait to serve. Why? Because it brings God glory. Serving, loving, sharing the gospel will become as natural as breathing. Even the most undisciplined person in this room, which is probably me, I have never called up somebody and said, hey, brother, I need some accountability. Can you call me in five minutes and make sure I'm still breathing? It's a natural reflex. And just like that is a natural reflex, when the glory of God is a driving force in our life, shining will also be a natural reflex. Loving will be a natural reflex. We won't have to try hard. It'll just happen. Why? Because Christ is in us, and we are driven by his glory. His glory is so grand. His glory is so beautiful. There's nothing else that we want to live for. In just a few moments, this is exactly what we as a church are going to go out and do on a corporate level. All of us should do this on an individual level, at work, everywhere you go. I, I, I love the book of Acts. When you see the book of Acts, every time the Holy Spirit fills somebody, they preach the word of God. Out of, I think, the 40 miracles in the book of Acts, 39 of them happen outside the church walls. And the only one that happened inside the church, you can correct me later if I'm wrong, 
was Ananias and Sapphira. Not a miracle we want to see in our church. Okay? This, this happens in the workplace. The miracles of God happen in the communities. It happens when Christians are just filled with the Spirit. And when we let Jesus' light shine. The church at Antioch, one of the big church-planting churches in the New Testament. We don't even know who started it. It was started by the brothers. Just some dudes letting their light shine. Church at Rome, same thing. Started by the brothers. We don't know their names. We don't know what they did. Just regular people filled with the Spirit letting their light shine. The brothers, some dudes. <laughs> we think, did Paul start it? No. Did Peter start it? No. Just some regular people filled with the Spirit, loving Jesus, letting their light shine. And corporately today, we as a church have set this evening and this afternoon aside to go out and do exactly that. We have groups that are going to go out and serve widows. We have groups that are going to hand out clothes and food to the homeless. Groups that are going to pray with the homeless. We have groups that are going to go serve families whose kids are at the hospital. As a parent of two kids, I cannot imagine what that would be like. And we have groups that are going to go out and they're just going to serve those families. And they're going to love on those families. And they're going to shine. So those families know that there's a God in heaven who loves them. And who sent his son to die for them. We have groups that have passed out Bibles. We have groups that are going to go and paint rooms at the local women and children's home. We have groups that are going to go and serve the local Right to Light office. We're just going to go into the community and we are going to shine. Because Jesus is in us. The challenge for all of us today is to go and let your light shine. Christ is in you. You are the light. And when we are driven by his glory and when we are abiding with him, and when we just are so in love with him, we're just going to shine. We'll expose darkness, yes. We'll point the way back to Jesus, yes. Why? So God can receive glory. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.